Did Jesus get involved in politics? One blogger wrote, of course Jesus did not get involved in politics. And the Jehovah's Witnesses, as you probably would expect on their website, echoed this in similar language. No, Jesus did not get involved in the politics of the world. Contrast this with the words of Wade Burleson. Wade's a Southern Baptist pastor, and here's what he wrote. Politics are at the core of the good news message that Jesus gave us and adds, Jesus was a controversial political figure in his day. So who's right? What's true? Well, we're going to talk about that some today, because I'm Byron Harvey, and I'm just thinking. Welcome to I'm Just Thinking. This is the podcast where we invite you to ask Jesus into your head. Season one, episode three, and today we're dealing with the norm of the Christ follower in his or her political involvement. This is continues our series on not in polite company, the intersection of faith, Christian faith, evangelical Christian faith, and politics, the kind of things you don't want to talk about around the Thanksgiving table. Uh, for fear of the problems they might cause and the disagreements that might be surfaced. But we're talking about it. We said last episode that it's absolutely critical that our ultimate goal in our political involvement is the glory of God. And that's not negotiable. It's something we can't just say blithely because, you know, we're supposed to do everything for the glory of God and then assume that's what we're doing kind of automatically so. No, taking the glory of God completely seriously in every aspect of our political involvement is not something we can take for granted, but rather it's something that it's, the, it's at the very core of faithfulness to God as we approach the whole idea of being involved politically. And so today we look at something similar, and that is this. What does Jesus politics look like? What is the norm? If the goal is the glory of God, what is the norm for the believer's involvement in politics? It's the person of Jesus Christ. I ought to take the example of Jesus and try to look like and act like and speak like and think like and react like and attitude like. I know it's not a verb, but go with me, all right? Jesus, in the things I think, say, and do, yes, about politics. Christ calls on his followers to center their entire lives around him. There is no domain in our lives, indeed in, in, the, in the created universe, over which Jesus is not Lord. We are his, it's all his. But here, here's the problem. There's been the idea voiced recently, perhaps long held, but now maybe finally being given voice, that, you know, 
the ethics of Jesus, they're great for ordinary situations, but they really don't suffice for the rough and tumble world of politics, particularly American politics in 2023, or whatever year you happen to be listening to this. <laughs> Folks, if the ethics of Jesus don't work everywhere, they don't work anywhere. And if we have to set aside Jesus' teaching and Jesus' example and, 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 what, and how Jesus guides us when we come to our political involvement, you know, we can, we can praise Jesus on Sunday morning and we can do other things that are good Christian-y things to do, but uh, this is politics. This is a different animal altogether. We can't go by what Jesus... Folks, we got to do that. We got to pack it in. We're done. If Jesus' ethics don't work in politics, they don't work, period. Now I get that it's kind of trite and it's cliche to spout Charles Sheldon's formulation from his book, In His Steps, but there is at least a significant level of truth to the idea and to the question, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? politically. And here's the thing. People who call themselves Christians from across the political spectrum claim Jesus as being one of their own. Conservatives are convinced Jesus would vote Republican. I, I'm granted I'm broad brush brushing here, but go with me, all right? Conservatives are convinced Jesus would would vote Republican just like liberals are just as convinced that he'd vote Democrat. Funny story, Pastor Scott Sauls, who pastors Christ Presbyterian Church in Nashville, tells his story. Uh, he said, sometimes a sermon can be polarizing. Once I was preaching to a crowd of New Yorkers. He used to be uh, Tim Keller's associate. Once I was preaching to a crowd of New Yorkers about how Christians should respond to the problem of poverty. I'll never forget two emails I received the following week, both in reference to the same sermon. The writer of the first email, among other things, accused me of being a right-wing extremist. The writer of the second email said he was certain I must be a left-wing Marxist. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's kind of humorous, and perhaps it points up uh, some of the perils of preaching. And I'm I'm pretty sure <laughs> that, that I've been misunderstood. And it's probably not a bad sign for Pastor Scott if somebody was on one side of what they thought about him, and somebody was on the other side. He probably was was cutting it pretty straight. But I haven't heard the sermon. I can't tell you that for sure. So, what about Jesus' involvement in politics? How would Jesus? vote. Well, as we said, sometimes people want to seem to want to recreate Jesus in their image and to marshal his help for their particular political priorities, their particular political bent. But while that may be an interesting question, we can do little more than speculate. And anyone who would try to argue that she has the definitive answer to that question is simply putting words in Jesus' mouth or maybe votes in Jesus' ballot box or something. I don't know. But here's some things we can get a better glimpse into because we have the Bible. 
How would Jesus behave politically? What emphasis, how much emphasis would Jesus put or not put on things like elections and voting and political argumentation? What were the issues we can say clearly mattered to Jesus? Well, we got to go to Scripture. And, 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 and when we think about what Scripture says about Jesus' involvement with politics, I'm not suggesting that the things I'm going to say are an exhaustive list. Chances are some of my listeners or watchers, depending on the forum you're using to access this, chances are some of you will think of some other things and maybe even better things than uh, than, than I'm mentioning here, uh, the things I probably should say, but uh, I've got, I'm sure, smart people listening and watching. And so let me just mention a few. First of all, Jesus came talking about a kingdom. Very different kind of kingdom. But understand that that kingdom was a threat to the various other kingdoms of the day. And what did Jesus say? Number one, seek first the kingdom of God. <clears throat> America first? No. Rome first? No. Israel first? No. The kingdom of God first. And, and that put him in direct conflict with an awful lot of people in the political realm in that, in that day. You think about Rome. Any, any talk of another kingdom claiming greater allegiance than that of Rome was a threat. And we see that in, in, in Scripture. You know, who's this one who's been born king of the Jews? A threat. A lot of little babies lost their lives because of that. We read in Matthew. The Jewish political leaders, they didn't like him either, right? Because he kept talking about the kingdom of God and it threatened their little, it tipped their apple cart. He walked into the temple, right? And he, and he, and he flipped over the tables and he said, you got a den, den of thieves here, you know. So Jesus didn't play ball with the political authorities of his day, rather, he came talking about a different kingdom altogether. In fact, he took the leaders of his day to task for their unrighteous behavior, so much so that the leaders of the two major Jewish political parties of his day, the Sadducees and the Pharisees, they conspired to kill him. Why? He was a threat. And it's kind of hard to say, and perhaps it depends on your definitions. I get that. It's kind of hard to say that Jesus wasn't involved in one clear sense politically because the things he was saying were a threat to the political leaders of, of his day. It's also interesting, the kind of people that he hung out with. You know, I, Maybe you've been watching The Chosen, and, uh, and, and yeah, I understand that, uh, uh, that the, uh, the folks who put that together, they've filled in some context, they filled in some... Uh, some verbiage, some vocabulary, some 
some conversation that isn't found in the scripture. We can only speculate, and, and nobody's saying they get all of that right. And, and, and yet it, it's fascinating to me. And one of the things we see, you know, fleshed out there is the fact that Jesus called as two of his 12, a fellow named Simon, who was a zealot, right? And Matthew, played so well by, by the gentleman who has the, uh, uh, the, the, the spectrum uh, um, thing going on, who was considered a traitor to his own people because he was in the employ of Rome, and not only in the employ of Rome, but those tax collectors were known, and if you, had, if you know your Bible at all, you understand that they were known for uh, uh, getting above and beyond the required taxes to feather their own uh, pockets, right? And yet right there in Jesus, in Jesus' posse, right? <laughs> You've got a zealot and a tax collector, two people on polar opposites politically, right? Somebody said to him, Should we pay taxes to Rome? And what was his response that shut everybody's mouth? Render unto Caesar that which belongs to Caesar, but unto God that which belongs to God. That's a, that's a political statement, all right? It may not fit into our neat Republican Democrat categories, but it's a political statement. And Jesus paid taxes one time. He Sent, uh, was it Peter? I should have written this down. Uh, to, to, to go catch a fish, and he ain't going to find a coin in that fish's mouth, pay your taxes with that. Well, that, that'll take care of it, right? But interestingly enough, Jesus seemed generally unconcerned about the governmental situation. Now, yeah, I understand. It's fair enough to say that he didn't live in a democratic republic such as we do. They didn't go to the polls and vote. Um, not much say uh, on the part of the people in altering the political landscape. They were under the control of Rome. The people of Israel were in that kind of, of, of oppressive environment. They didn't care for it. It wasn't the most impressive environment in the history of man. We know that. And yet it wasn't anything they particularly uh, liked or appreciated or desired. And yet they couldn't do anything about it. They didn't have a vote like we do today in American society. And so it's fair enough to say that his context was a bit different from our context. And so again, we, 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 we have a hard time speaking definitively, oh, Jesus would vote this way because we saw him vote when we didn't vote at all, right? And so to argue that Jesus would have supported this or that politically is often, maybe not always, but often an argument from silence. Okay? So we've got to be careful where we tread. Now, that said, he was certainly a man of moral conviction. That goes without saying. As a Jewish man, he held to the moral teaching of the Torah. I mean, you know, sometimes we hear people say things like, ah, Jesus didn't have anything to say about abortion, right? as though that really is significant. It's not. He certainly would have supported the sacredness of life. There's not any indication otherwise in Scripture. And, and that was, abortion wasn't the hot-button issue in, in Jesus' day. And, you know, 
A lot of things Jesus didn't necessarily talk about, but it doesn't mean we don't have a pretty good idea where he came down. That's certainly one of them. We do know that he had a, a real concern for the poor. That's all through not just scripture, not just the words of Jesus, but, but all through scripture, a concern for the poor. He advocated voluntary economic redistribution. Now, he didn't say anything about involuntary, and I, I recognize that that's a, uh, uh, that's a sticking point between the right and the left these days. Jesus didn't say anything about taxing people to support others, but he said an awful lot, an awful lot about voluntarily giving to the poor. He was concerned with the downtrodden. He was concerned with the stranger. He set a pattern by involving, by healing, by blessing Gentiles. You know, you go to John chapter 4, and there he is with the woman at the well, and who in the world would talk to her? Jesus, a Samaritan woman of a bad reputation, the kind that no proper Jewish rabbi would be seen with. And there was Jesus, and she came to know his grace and his salvation that day. More than that, Jesus concerned himself with how people lived their lives. Yes, his, his first concern, I understand, wasn't ethical per se. Jesus didn't come first and foremost preaching ethics and morality. He came first and foremost to declare the kingdom of God and to invite people into that kingdom, right? But he also concerned himself, of course, with how people lived their daily lives toward God, yes, and toward their fellow man. And, and so that, that, that kind of is what prompts this entire series, because I'm focusing not on what to think politically or who to vote for, but how to approach the whole idea of politics from the perspective that Jesus is the norm. The scriptures bear witness to Jesus, and thus the witness of scripture must guide us when we think politically, not just Jesus' words. I know there are some people, and, and the unfortunate phrase, red-letter Christians, came about a few decades ago, and, and people want to call themselves red-letter Christians, I'm afraid of where that leads. It could lead to the idea that the words of Jesus are more important than the rest of Scripture. Jesus didn't say that and didn't believe that. Okay, So the whole of Scripture points to Jesus, right? And thus, the whole of Scripture that points to Jesus must guide us when we think and when we speak and when we act politically. Our approach toward the issues, for instance, and, and we've at least talked a good game when it comes to this, our approach toward issues must be taken with the Word of God clearly in mind. What does the Scripture teach? It reveals Jesus, 
and it reveals how we must approach politics. Now, it's fair to wonder if we evangelicals have taken a holistic, or rather a too narrow, a look at what Scripture requires of us. Fair question. Are we looking at the whole of Scripture, the whole of Jesus' teaching, the whole of Jesus' living, or are we cherry-picking certain things and soft-peddling or ignoring others? That's a question we all should ask ourselves. Our approach toward other, not just our approach toward issues, but our approach toward other people must be guided by the norm of Jesus and the witness of Scripture. And it seems clear to me that we have failed pretty significantly in this regard. And we're going to talk more specifically about this. We're going to devote an entire episode to how we approach people as Christians, people with whom we disagree politically. They may be our brothers and sisters in Christ, and that does happen. They may be people who aren't Christians at all, who profess no faith in Jesus. How do we approach them in a way that honors Jesus? We're going to take a whole episode and talk about that. But let's just mention and move on several things today. I'm going to mention and move on. We're going to be done in just a minute. Matthew 5, 44, right in the middle of what we call Jesus' Sermon on the Mountain. What does Jesus say? Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Now, I'm going to suggest when we get to that episode a little bit down the path that the word enemies is one we far too quickly run to use when we think in political context. All oh, people on the other side of the aisle, they're my enemy. Really? I don't think so. I'll make an argument for that later. But nonetheless, Jesus' words stand. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Pray for people whose political viewpoint is different from yours. Love them. Paul follows up on that in Romans chapter 12. He says, hey, if, you're, if your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. What do we do? We, we love them. We pray for them. And then we take concrete action to help those with whom we disagree. I was uh, an employee of Chick-fil-A, some of you know that, for a number of years. And um, there was a day, and many of you remember this, it's been better part of a decade ago, when, um, when, when uh, Dan Cathy, the president of Chick-fil-A, came under fire for some words he said in an interview and um, so there was a lot of backlash against Dan, and, uh, and, and so a political figure said, we're going to have a Chick-fil-A Appreciation Day, and my goodness, we, we set a sales record in our restaurant that day. People were lined up out the door to buy chicken, but there was also a counter-protest at certain restaurants, not at ours, but at certain restaurants, and uh, there were people who were protesting against Chick-fil-A, and, and it, it made me kind of proud to know that in many of those cases, the operators, some of them weren't believers undoubtedly, but the operators took ice cold lemonade and other things out to the people who were protesting against the very store. Yeah, that's kind of in the vein of what Paul is saying in Romans 12 and verse 20. Then we get to Paul's teaching in 1 Corinthians 13 about what love looks like. And, and a fair question, we'll 
get to it later again, all right? The fair question is, when I consider who I'm supposed to be loving, and then I look at 1 Corinthians 13 and find out what that looks like, am I applying the ethics of Jesus when it comes to love toward people with whom I have political disagreements? Because if I'm not, Houston, we got a problem, okay? And then what did Jesus say? Very simply, as you would have others do unto you, do also to them. The golden rule. It applies in politics. During a recent political campaign, I posted on social media words to this effect. I wrote, I am far less concerned about who you vote for than I am how you treat people who vote differently from you. I'm far less concerned with who you vote for than I am with how you treat people differently from you. And I'm going to circle back to that in an episode down the path. A friend of mine told me I was wrong. And my friend referenced Dietrich Bonhoeffer and said, Bonhoeffer would be an example of someone who would take issue with your statement. With all due respect to my friend, I think he's wrong on Dietrich Bonhoeffer. But when I consider Jesus as the norm for our political involvement, I am quite confident that my friend is wrong in that regard. So until next time, I'm Byron Harvey, and I'm just thinking.